This podcast is based exclusively on the real-life experiences of two bisexual cis women and their internet research. Sexual identity is deeply personal and influenced by intersecting identities, demographics, and circumstances. Rose and Annie do not speak for the bisexual experience of all individuals or the bisexual experience as a whole. In short, they don't know shit. Thanks for listening. I am Annie, and I am a bisexual. I am Rose, and I am also a bisexual. And we're here to provide some context about the bisexual experience by sharing stories, getting advice, and talking about queer people that we like. What are we talking about this this episode? Second episode, by the way. Second episode, if you haven't listened to the first, you're going to be really in the dark on this one. Yeah, there's like a whole narrative thread. We did a lot of character development last time. I saw a bunch of people from Canada tuned in. I did. My best friend lives in Canada, so I don't know if she's out there uh, listening multiple times on different devices. It was more than one. Okay, so. I will. I'm going to say we've got at least her and her husband Potential dog listener. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming it's Justin Trudeau. Yeah, our number two fan. Our number two fan. <laughs> number one is Lynn's dog. Number two, Justin Trudeau. If Justin Trudeau came out as bisexual, I would not be surprised. I would also not be surprised. Uh, <laughs> and like, I'd be interested in seeing all types of footage of that. Problematic, we're aware. We're aware, don't tweet us. But if we're strictly gonna objectify him yeah if we're just gonna lust after him <laughs> it's tasty he's a tasty treat he's a tasty snack speaking of people you didn't know were queer or might you might be speculating are they queer are they bi is it possible i feel like we both did that to ourselves for a long time great transition thank you <laughs> did it work i don't know actually i i I was a little weird in that I it honestly like never crossed my mind that I might be anything other than straight up to the point where I was having sex with a woman. Was it like mid having sex or after multiple times of this happening? After multiple times. Multiple times. Imagine the like fucked up history someone has to have to be having sex with women (laughs) and be like, I'm straight, though. Especially uh, you had only had sex with women. Yes, correct. Did you have uh, family who felt like you might not be straight or friends who felt like you might? Certainly. (laughs) Certainly. Okay. What were the things that made them think you might not be straight even though they didn't make you think you might not be straight? The fact that I had never had one boyfriend who I hated. <laughs> hate is a strong word. Didn't like very much. How long did you date this boyfriend? A few months. Okay. Not like a long time. It was like a like a spring and a summer. In high school? In high school. Okay. I also talked to the woman that I was having sex with all the time to the point where my brother was like, hey, uh, you two fucking? <laughs> Did you, were you like, no, we're just friends? Yeah. Honestly, if I had had someone who sat me down and was like, hey, I see you not conforming to gender and traditional 
sexuality, it's okay. I would have probably been like, oh, cool. I'm going to be a lot more honest with myself. But I didn't have that. So when I finally, finally came to terms with my sexuality, I I realized that there were some like early childhood signs and some teenage signs and obviously young adult signs. But I feel like everyone kind of has those. Like, oh. I feel like it's not only figuring out your sexuality and where you fall in whatever spectrum, but it's also figuring out like sex feelings, like or an attraction and what's romantic interest and what's like just like really thinking someone's fucking cool. Yeah. And I think that's something that with hindsight, you can be like, oh, I 100% had a crush on that person. But in the moment, you might just be like, no, I'm just really mad that they started dating somebody has nothing to do with the fact that I'm interested in them. Right. Yeah. It's not that. It's just that I'm like annoyed. Right. And a lot of that, like I said, is that young people aren't necessarily given free reign or permission or really sat down at any point to be like, hey, there's a spectrum of gender and sexuality that people fall on and like just have that context for when you notice how you're feeling. Yeah. And like your your feelings are all okay. All of the feelings are okay. And so you don't have to be like have this like ball of shame about certain feelings or like a a need to be like I don't think I've ever I ever did this to anyone, but I feel like a common thing is like being jealous of a friend and you you make it about them being a bad friend. Mm-hmm. And in reality it's about you your relationship not progressing to the romantic level that you wanted it to. Right. And that's with anyone not specific to bisexuality I'm pretty sure everyone experiences that I completely that is the concept of the friend zone correct oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyways anyway yeah so relationships relationships are hard and so is figuring out what kind of relationship you want to be in so I when I started dating my girlfriend she was asking me like what is your history with like romantic interest in women? And we were talking about it and one of the first, I hadn't thought about this until she asked me and I was, one of my earliest memories, it's I think like 1995 or 1996. I'm probably like six, maybe seven. And my parents were watching, it was called Ice Wars. Oh, was it a TV show? It was a skating competition, an ice skating competition. Hell yeah. This woman was in, like, a green outfit, whatever their costumes are called, and uh, she was doing a dance to Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking, <laughs> and I was like, ice skating is amazing. I have to get into ice skating. Like, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be an ice skater. I'm almost, like, never a sports person, never an athlete, not into ice skating at all. But I was like, this is amazing. We should watch figure skating all the time like this is amazing I don't know how I haven't been doing this and I was like totally infatuated and at the time I would I was like I just really like ice skating I was really into ice skating and I think I might like Nancy Sinatra music a lot and it has nothing to do with liking women but now I found this video on YouTube and I was like yeah she was really hot. She yeah. was like crazy hot. The dance was sexier than the other ice skating dances. Hell yeah. 
So like that was that I think is my earliest my earliest memory of being infatuated with somebody on the screen mm-hmm. and totally misplacing that fixation to be like it's about everything except the woman. Right. Right, 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 right. I can assure you. Yes. Yeah, like many queer people your first queer experience was of course the majestic sport of ice skating. <laughs> And um, as you know, I did get really into ice skating, really good at it. It's my profession now. Yeah, yeah Rose is now a professional ice skater. Yeah. <laughs> Google Google me and ice skating. Yeah. See what comes up. Just Rose and ice, actually. That'll bring it right up. That's probably like a strand of marijuana. <laughs> Rose ice. What about, did you have any like early <clears throat> fixations that you couldn't art- quite articulate as romantic? Not on screen or anything having to do with seeing someone represented in that way. But I did have a friend who, like, like we touched all the time. Like, we were always touching. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to, like, sleepovers at her house. Uh, her name is... Uh, she's married now. I'm going to bleep out her name. <laughs> but I remember going over to her house for sleepovers and we would like full on cuddle at night. Like we would be, we would be like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. I had a friend who we made out all the time. All the time. She was my best friend. I slept over her house all the time. And it was always like under the ruse of like, we're going to play this game where we're this TV show or these famous people that are uh, in a straight couple. And like, I was always the man, probably because I was like, I'm I'm here to make out. <laughs> like, whatever it takes, I will. Dude, that's how it was with <laughs> Like, I was like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to like probably play with stuffed animals for a little bit. <laughs> But then we're going to touch a lot, and that's what I'm here for. Let's get, uh, like, whatever little kid pretext has to happen. Like, I'm here for the action. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I, I can remember the first um, friend that I made out with. I, I think I was, like, five or six, and I don't remember her name. I texted my mom. I didn't say, do you remember the friend I made out with? Because I don't think she knows. But I was like... I was friends with a brunette girl when we lived in Virginia. Do you remember her name? She was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And But I remember, like, we were watching Saved by the Bell, and we were like, oh, like, Zach and Kelly. Let's play Zach and Kelly. And I was like, got this. I just have a very distinct memory of laying on my couch. I mean, we were kissing. We probably weren't, like, making out. But still, I was like, that's not okay. <laughs> I know. What the fuck? Yeah. I also had a friend text me this past week. Um, she was like, yo, do you remember the movie Josie and the Pussycats? <laughs> like, how banging was that soundtrack? And it's true. It is a banging soundtrack. It is the slaps, as the kids say. Noted uh, bisexual Alan Cumming plays the bad guy. They're kind of playing off his queerness as like a villainous thing. So oh. I kind of have, I take issue with that, but okay. whatever. Uh, it's a great film that I enjoyed very much, not realizing later in life that like like Rosario to... Dawson yeah. and Tara Reid and yeah. what's her face? Rachel, Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook. They're like touching the whole time. Uh-huh. And they're really hot. Uh-huh. And I loved it. Uh-huh. Like not a normal amount. <laughs> 
not a normal amount. A full fixation? There was, um, it wasn't a full fixation. It wasn't like, it wasn't like dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) And there were other movies that I watched with women that I didn't have any, any kind, like, you know how you have a certain response to stuff when you're a kid and you're like, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, but I don't feel this way about other stuff that's very similar. <laughs> like, really, like, for me, it's like um, a hot yeah. core in my stomach. And I'm like, I am not doing anything wrong, but I do not want my parents to find out about right. this. Right. It's like an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I don't know what this feeling is, but I don't want anyone else to know what it is I either. I don't want anyone to be able to identify it. Right. And I also kind of don't want it to stop. <laughs> right. Like, is there a way to amplify this feeling? <laughs> there is. There yeah. Young Annie, there is. There is. There <laughs> certainly is. I felt that way about um, power preteen couple uh, who I don't think dated in real life, but in two of my seminal bisexual realization movies, Devin Sawa and Christina Ricci, started with Now and Then. Uh, they're like 12 and they have a scene where they kiss and I was like, holy shit, what's happening? And there's also like a lot of scenes with Christina Ricci because in the, I recently saw it again. I took Cassandra to see it. So uh, I, Christina Ricci is like really self-conscious about her boobs. So she's always like binding them. And there's a lot of scenes with her like, like doing that. And so she's like topless being like, oh my God, my boobs are so big. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing and then Devin Sawa skinny dips in one scene and you see his butt and then they kiss and I was like I don't know what's going on I only ever told people like Devin Sawa is so cute like I'm really into Devin Sawa but I was like I'm also really into Christina Ricci (laughs) and how do I get some more of this like yeah what happens after they kiss? I need to know. Yeah. It's funny how, like, I don't think anyone explicitly told me when I was a kid, like, hey, don't don't talk to anyone about how you feel about women. But it is weird how, like, I knew that I shouldn't. I, I mean, I hope less so now. But in all of the TV and movies that I consumed growing up, if there was homosexual undertones, it was either these gay guys have terrible lives because they're gay and everyone's like not great to them or it was so hidden that like I couldn't pick up on it as a kid and now as an adult I might watch it and be like oh obviously that's a gay character that they're not saying is gay right but with the context always being like your friends saying what boy do you like right and probably your parents also like are there any boys in your class that you like like it's just perpetually normalizing boy girl boy girl right so you're like okay but I'm like I, no I want boy girl boy girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> not to say I did like I did also experience attraction to boys growing up also felt weirdly shameful of that but I think that's more like I was in catholic school so yeah, sex is, sex was gonna kill me for sure. For sure, <laughs> I did not. I had no religious background, no religious upbringing whatsoever. But I feel like part of my this is like an inverse of expectations. Part of my queerness manifested in being like hypersexual in my humor and what I wanted to talk about and what I was like researching on the internet. So I was like 
very interested in knowing, like, being in the know and being the person who Ooh. was, like, aware of all things sexual. Yep. I was looking at my yearbook the other day with Cassandra because she has to see it. And Aww. it's uh, my senior year. And a lot of people are like, love your, like, your dirty jokes, your perverted mind. <laughs> like, I was a nice guy till I met you. Now I'm the sicko. Oh, shit. But I think that... Part of my like being hypersexual was to be like, I'm hypersexual and I'm hyper into dudes. Like I'm really into men. Yeah. I have one more thing that I haven't talked about yet. You should talk about it. It's another fixation. Oh. So I think a lot of my, in addition to all sorts of other ways that it manifested, one thing that I thought about was being really fixated on women in a like, how it manifested was like I really want to be like this person so my bedroom wall like the whole wall was covered in printout photos of Shirley Manson and I was obsessed with garbage and I like wrote her letters and stuff like you're so cool you're such an inspiration to me like but I don't even think that I could really articulate beyond you're so cool and I want to look at all of the pictures of you because you're so cool and like I dyed my hair red like fire engine red for like seven years because I was like this is what hot cool people do like she's so fucking cool and now looking back I'm like yeah you like think people are cool but I now can be like oh it's because I wanted to sleep with that person I don't think there was a particular woman that I was fixated on. I did also dye my hair red. More of an anime kid thing for me, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. (laughs) You are not exaggerating when you say you were a nerd. I guess on the subject of fixations, I did have a fascination with gender bending stories like Mulan type things where like a woman would dress up as a man, a man uh-huh. would dress up as a woman. Really, speaking of anime, there's a fantastic anime. Sorry for all the listeners who aren't huge fucking weeb dorks out there. Not yet. <laughs> but there's a fantastic anime that came out when I was, you know, growing up, coming up, called Utena, Revolutionary Girl Utena. Uh, that's in that genre. She's kind of like a boyish sword fighting person. Uh-huh. It's better than it sounds. Um, it sounds pretty good. It's cool. It's, you know, it's a 90s anime. So like you kind of had to be there. Yeah. I was really into Tamara Pierce's fantasy novels about girls who go through knighthood. One of the, one of them pretends to be a, a man for like half of the series. Those kind of stories really fascinated me and I like really 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 fixated on those stories I think maybe part of it was that I had always been a tomboy growing up didn't feel like the traditional form of femininity was for me exactly which isn't I mean like we we should probably start this podcast saying our pronouns but I've never really explored being anything but a she or her person, but I didn't when I was a kid. I like really didn't enjoy being a girl. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea when that change happened because mm-hmm. now I'm, I like being a girl. Game. Yeah. Game for it. Totally game for being a girl. Yeah. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I was not having it. I just didn't want to be a girl. Did you feel like boys got to do cooler stuff or 
did you were you just like this isn't quite what I want to be doing that's a good question I think for a lot of people they're they just feel like they're just not a girl or they're not a boy and I think mine was much more internalized misogyny Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you know that's you know a lot of people I grew up with were kind of misogynists and that's the message I I grew up with Um, which isn't to say that if you identify as a man and you were at birth a woman if you identify other than what you were born as gender wise like I'm not saying that you have internalized misogyny or misandry and that's why you are the way that you are in my experience I think I had I had taken to heart some messaging that like girls couldn't do certain things and that they were maybe stupider Mm -hmm. or less fun and that sucks yeah I (laughs) I had a similar experience I don't I'm also a she her I think I was like I'm not like those girls. Right, yeah. And for me, I think, honestly, it was a lot of like being an outcast when I moved from Virginia to New Jersey and feeling like I don't get along with a lot, or a lot of these girls seem to not like me, probably because I was like in overalls, had terrible teeth, really thick glasses, and wore baseball caps all and oversized shirts all the time yeah like I wasn't like a by any means like a cool or pretty kid um for a a really long time and so I think I I took a lot of insecurity and um feeling rejected and outcast and made it like against a certain standard of woman and type of woman we were tiny incels 100 (laughs) percent one yes I was yes Yes. Yeah, I was the same way. I was I was chubby. You know, I had a bad haircut for a long time and I mm-hmm. felt like I wasn't pretty mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, fuck it. Then I I'm just going to be pretty." Yeah, I won't be pretty and actually all girls are stupid anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was Yeah. It was internalized misogyny 100%. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's um it's something that takes like like there are still moments where I will like meet or see a woman who is like fits a more traditional like female role and there's like a part of me that like kicks and is like hate yes and I'm just like why I don't know why that goes off in me and it takes an actual like a mental check to be like hey this person has done literally nothing except be who they want to be yep. and present themselves how they want to present themselves and already you're like, huh. Totally. Which is so nasty and I've been disproven by that so many times and been met the girls who like on paper look real cool. What I consider to be like, well, they seem really cool. Yes. Um, and then been blown away by like how much of a fucking douchebag asshole they were. Yeah. And vice versa. So it's such a weird thing that we're like, how you present yourself has anything to do with your depth or yeah. your ability or your coolness or whatever. Yeah, 100%, dude. You articulated it perfectly. I wish I could go back and just, like, sit myself down and be like, listen, be nice. Just be nice. Just be nice and people will like you. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to yeah. it. And also, like, though the people that you are feeling outcast by and are envious of 
are probably they have other people that they feel the exact same way about 100 percent. everyone everyone is just teeming with like uncertainty of who they are and there are some adults who never figure it out and that's a good thing to keep in mind (laughs) as you start to figure out your certainty and self yeah knowing that like people being a jerk to you for whatever however you're presenting or whoever you are is usually coming from a place of insecurity so we got a a letter from listener cassandra thank you cassandra Thanks, Cassandra. No, we should... No relation to Rose's girlfriend, Cassandra. I was going to say, we should probably cut out the part where I call Cassandra by her name earlier so that people don't think the only person who wrote it is my girlfriend. She was, though. Even though she she is our biggest fan. She says that. She says, hello from your biggest fan. The episode was so good. I was laughing out loud on the subway. Do you want to read your own girlfriend's letter? No, thank you. Okay. I don't have any of the requested advice for you, but maybe you could do a weekly bylight segment with bisexual news. I can't wait for more episodes. Love, XOXOXOXOXOXO. I love bros. Cassandra. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that letter, but I got to meet this fan. If you are this mystery woman, please call me. <laughs> So I did do a bit of a Yahoo search. Not a Yahoo search. Oh, I went to ask Jeeves, so. Where did that come from? I feel like you were having a nostalgic wave talking about childhood and it just brought you to Yahoo. I did a Yahoo search. I was looking through my Hotmail and... I was looking at some GeoCities sites. I printed on the MapQuest uh, to get here <laughs> today. and uh, I did a Google search. One day that's going to be dated. Yeah. I'm going to listen to me like, Google. Google. Remember what that? was I thinking? <laughs> First of all, when you search um, Google News for the word bisexual, the news is not great. It's mostly like... Iranian bisexual refugees flee their country from persecution. And I also found, this is not good news. There's no good news for bisexuals. I wanted something like, bisexual person becomes mayor of Toronto. But no. Actually, you know what? The governor of Oregon is bisexual. Stop Oregon. Thank you. Kate Brown. Holla. Holla, 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 holla. Cool lady. Um... So anyways, in bisexual news, there was a recent survey by YouGov, a private polling research company, that found that just over 4 in 10 millennials, that's 43%, 4 in 10 millennials would be comfortable with a bisexual partner, but nearly equal number, 40%, say that it would make them uncomfortable. So it would make 40% of millennials uncomfortable to date a bisexual. So that's not great. Do better. If, well, I, okay, maybe not do better, but if I think um, if you're one of the 43% who says, dope, no problem, cool, keep going. Uh, if you're the 40%, 40%, the 40% who's, who has, would be uncomfortable with that, maybe ask why. What's, what's problematic about it? Because I think a lot of that boils down to like stereotypes that are projected from the media into your brain. Yeah, I was actually going to transition into the advice, the advice Advice. segment of this podcast because I want advice. If someone says, 
I don't want to date you because you just told me that you're bisexual. What do you say to that? Email us, hello goodbyes 42069 at gmail.com. I would love to read how you would respond to someone saying, I don't date bisexual people. How you would respond, and if you're in that 40% who feel, would feel uncomfortable, write to us and tell us why. We'd love to hear the reason. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a really great reason that we're not privy to or that we can discuss. Or maybe it's a not-so-great reason that you are a little bit embarrassed about. We can give whatever pseudonym you want. We don't think that people who don't want to date bisexuals are bringing the good vibes. They are not bringing the good. They're bringing the, the bad vibes. The bad vibes. And we are all about positivity. We want to bring the good vibes. Hell so. yeah. Hello, good vibes. Hello, good vibes. I'm going to add a musical sting to this part that's like... Tight. Yeah. So during this uh, segment, Hello, Good Vibes, we talk about um, bisexual or queer folk who are doing cool fucking shit that we really like, making media that we're into and that we want to elevate. Do you want to go ahead and jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, I found an article on Autostraddle uh, about Kate Leth, who is a bisexual comic artist, an illustrator, um, an animator, and fellow podcaster. She hosts a, a Buffy podcast, and she also creates merchandise for a lot of cool podcasts like The Adventure Zone and Welcome to Night Vale. Which, as a person who identifies as a dork, I very much enjoy. She's from, she, she I think, lives and works in Burbank, California. Um, and she creates a, a comic called Valley Ghouls, which is very cute and sweet. You can read it at valleyghouls.tumblr.com or check out her Instagram, which I think is just at Kate Leth. I have a long history of reading comics by... I don't know how you say this word out loud. <laughs> women loving women comic artists like Tilly Walden uh, and Rebecca Sugar. W L W. No, it's Wait, how is it spelled? W L W. I'm you sure you don't just read the acronym. No, I pronounce it. Okay. So yeah, it's 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 another I mean a queer comic that's very sweet and I think she probably writes at least one a week. I just started following her. I did I didn't know about her until literally just today, but she seems very cool. Um so check her out. Who's your person? Uh my person is so I was actually riding my bike home and I was listening to Car Seat Headrest and I was like, oh, shit, Will Toledo is who I have to do. So um, Will Toledo is the creator, lead singer, songwriter of Car Seat Headrest, which is kind of like an indie rock, uh, really like lo-fi band. He started as a solo, like high school, making music in his car, hence the name. And now he has a four-piece band. Um, But a lot of his music talks about being in relationships with men. He also references some like romantic interest in women, but I would say less frequently. And he has never like defined his sexuality. There's like an old Tumblr post that's been deleted, but you can see like a snippet from 
it on Google search where he says that he intentionally keeps it ambiguous. Um, I think at that point he said he'd been only in love with men but could see himself falling in love with women. I think it's like really cool to keep romantic songs both gender neutral and have ones where you're specifically calling out romantic relationships with same-sex partners. His last studio album, which I believe was a remake of a lot of his older songs because now he has like more of a following and can do higher production value, he has a lyric that says, I pretended I was drunk when I came out to my friends. I never came out to my friends. And I fucking love that, particularly this week because I kind of threw episode one of this podcast up on Instagram and was like, dope. (laughs) There are very few people who I feel like I sat down and was like, hey, I wanted to let you know I'm bisexual. There are tons of people who I was like, oh, I went on a date with this girl. I went on a date with this girl. I'm dating this girl. This is my girlfriend. I want you to be my girlfriend. After a history of historically dating men. But if I wasn't talking to you about my romantic life at all, you wouldn't know. So I just think he has like really good, vulnerable, true lyrics that are about like, what the fuck is going on? Or like as you listen to more of the recent things, it's like relationships. And the emphasis has never been on the gender of the other person. And I think that's fucking dope. And the music just is a total, what did you call it? The the slaps? It's the slaps. (laughs) Uh, car seat headrest. I will definitely check that out. I was also thinking about how having a podcast is the perfect way to come out. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're going to promote it. People are going to see it. They're going to be like, oh, that's what's up. And if they want more context, then they can listen to the podcast and be like, oh, that's how she got there. One hundred. I, I sent Annie the message that I got from my first boyfriend that I shared aloud last week. Our, our true love story. <laughs> And I'll, I'll, he messaged me and he said, this is very cool. It's good to hear you talk about this. I didn't want to overstep with any questions, but I'm proud as shit of you. God damn, that is beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, love it. And of course, this actually segues into my ask for advice, which is now that I am more publicly out, uh, how do I let the people that I love know their questions are welcome. That's a tough line to toe because I think most people recognize that some people will be happy to get questions and other people will be like, I don't fucking want to answer questions. I'm not, it's not like that. How do you let people know like, hey, I'm someone, if you have any questions, good, ask. I'm, I'm an open book. It's a good question. I don't know. Write, write and let me know. I also don't know. Hello, goodbyes, 42069 at oh, gmail.com. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on my own advice that I asked for last week as well. I asked how to like stay in touch with a queer identity as a person who is now in a relationship with a, a straight man, a straight cis man. Um, and I want to pat myself on the back. Pat myself out on the back? <laughs> Did you say pat out on the back? I went to the I went to the Brooklyn Community Pride Center two times in the last week, and it was great. Uh, if you are a Brooklynite, it's a very cool center. It's right off Fulton, in between Bed Stuy and Crown Heights. Um, but 
It's a cool place. They have free yoga on Wednesdays and Sundays, just so you know. (laughs) I also went there for the first time a couple of weeks ago. They have a really cool AA chapter. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah, on Tuesdays. That's awesome. They also, I was checking out all their events. They have a bi group that meets on Thursdays, I believe, Thursday nights. Probably won't make it this week, but maybe next week I'll go. Maybe next week. I was thinking about your ask for advice and one of the things I thought of was that I try to dive into my other communities that I identify with and engage with and how to find queer segments of them so for example for everyone who noted how much I talk about drinking in the first episode (laughs) I no longer drink I tried out an AA meeting there and I was looking at those, Annie and I went to a, we went to a demonstration about the cycling deaths that have occurred in New York City this year, and uh, we passed by a group of people, and we were like, they seem really cool, they look real cool, like, they look like the type of bikers we want to hang with. Looking them up, they're a transgender non-conforming female femme group for cycling so they ride on Tuesdays they're called nightcap Brooklyn yeah Yeah, nightcap I also started following them yeah so I'm like I'm gonna try and hit that up and then other things like the queer scouts that I sent to you so outdoorsy folk we're really lucky that we live in New York but I think if you yeah right like really lucky so lucky really lucky that we live in New York so you can tap into all of these types of communities and we're fortunate that there's like all the different hobbies you're into but I would say also like a lot of this stuff exists as digital communities totally that are great to dive into yep yeah absolutely definitely check out the uh Brooklyn Community Pride Center or I mean if you live in a city in the U.S. there's probably a similar community space space yeah similar community space and I have to imagine like basically any somewhat large town or city has has a a similar space yeah and I would say you don't need to be certain of how you want to identify before going because I think dipping a toe in the water is a great way to explore. Yeah. I remember going to my first LGBT student org meeting in college and just being terrified. I could not have been going to a more correct place for me to go. And I was scared out of my mind to be there. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I got a whiff of that when I went to the Brooklyn Community Pride Center. I haven't felt that way since I was 19, you know? I was like, whoa, this is... This is weird. I really haven't done anything with the LGBT community in way too long. Yeah. It was a wake-up call. <laughs> it's it's also good to know that, like, nerves are normal no matter what. When I, like, my girlfriend and I went to Pride and, like, all before I was like, oh, what if I'm not gay enough to go to Pride? Like, what if, what if people know? Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't know what, what would people know? Know what? It's an imposter syndrome thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're feeling that way, you are queer enough. You are a strong, bisexual human being, and you deserve a safe space. You are valid. You are valid. Okay, should we be done? 
Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Goodbye from, from the, the goodbyes. goodbyes. I'm so stinky and tired. Wow, 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 wow,